Hi. Happy Friday. It's Friday. I just, I don't know, there's something about Friday. Maybe I'm just conditioned to think that Friday is supposed to be about celebration. It's the end of the week. Um, I don't know. But anyway, Fridays make me happy. Um, hello, Vince and Anne-Marie. Anne-Marie listening in the background. What? What is that? Oh, and Lisa from Connecticut with only one in. Oh, not so Connecticut this morning. <laughs> you know I love you. <laughs> and I miss you. I miss you. I miss you. I miss you. Jesus, bring Lisa back. I'm selfish in this way. I am. I admit it. I am. I am deeply selfish in wanting wanting my friend to return. Uh, Kevin, welcome and hello from the Highlands of Scotland. Someday I will say I have been to the Highlands of Scotland. That just sounds like such a regal place to be, I think. Anyway, who else is on here? Tell me hello. Listen, those of you that have conditioned yourself and become comfortable watching in the shadows, how dare you? Announce yourselves at once. Playing with my authority this morning. <laughs> okay, we are. It does sound regal. I know. Um, hi, John. Thanks for announcing yourself. I I love interaction. I I used to to make announcements all the time before I I taught and told people that if this if this is no good, it's your fault. It's your job to pull. Let's just be honest. This isn't about the. I, I have a gift. I have a gift. And your job is to pull on that gifting, right? Participation is mandatory. You know it is. Participation is mandatory. I always want to say hi, babes, back when he says that. <laughs> it's fine. John flirts with Vince all the time. I'm used to it. <laughs> Vince was attempting to be proper on Wednesday because Rebecca was on and wasn't flirting back with John because normally these two are quite comfortable flirting with one another. Listen, it's fine. We're all one. This is this is just practicing oneness. Just kidding. That, that took it too far. Anyway, let's talk about let's talk about generations. We need to talk about generations. Let's talk about the stories that we tell or don't. Um, I was listening to a broadcast and to be really honest with you, I don't even remember what it was that I was listening to, but I was very, very convicted by something that was said. And I can't even tell you what was said. I just remember what the conviction was. And, um, and it, it was simply that this is what, this is what Holy Spirit said to me, Angie, you have withheld the stories that you have encountered from your children. And I thought, Oh my gosh. And I instantly knew what I had done that, that I thought that, you know, it would be overbearing to, to share the things with them. But what I have found in recent days is that my kids are very enthralled in the supernatural and because they have not had um, the stories of our family line that um, that that they have just kind of been left to their own to discover what the supernatural is all about. Hello, Nicole. Welcome. Nicole, I just feel like someday you and I should have coffee. It just feels like a real thing for me. Like we should just sit down and enjoy a cup of coffee in a cute little cafe someday. Is that real? Am I making that up? Do you feel that way? Should we do this? Weigh in, friends. <laughs> I'm being serious. I'm also quite filled with joy this morning. The Lord is good. He is good. Anyway, um, I want to read. I don't know. Maybe we'll read it all. Anne-Marie, you know her? Now I'm instantly jealous. Um, let's read Psalm 44. We need to, we need to like discover some things here. That's all we're doing. We're just gonna discover some things um about um 
about the stories that were handed down from generation to generation to generation and how that affected change in the people of Israel and in the, the Hebrew people. It's just absolutely stunning to me. The entire Old Testament is filled with stories being told or when they went astray, which we know was their thing. Um, God telling them, remember, like what? Remember, remember what it is that, that I have done. Tell the people what it is that I have done. And, and clear up to Peter and, and Stephen in the book of Acts, that's their big moment, right? Like on the backside of being filled with the spirit, that's exactly what they're doing is they are remembering and reminding the people that this is who God is. Remember, this is who God is. This is what he does. And they are fantastic memories that are brought to the forefront and, um, uh, anyway, let's just jump into Psalm 44. Um, oh God, we have heard with our ears. Our fathers have recounted it to us. The work you did in their days, in the days of old. Oh God, we have heard with our ears. Our fathers have recounted it to us, the work you did in their days, in the days of old. Don't you love that? I I love that. It actually makes me, um, it makes me hungry to know the things that have gone on in, in my generational line, in, in my family history. Um, and, and really this, the last several months, have been about me wanting to just, I'm just eager to know like what, who are maybe, who are my people? Where have they come from? And, and I've even had the opportunity to do a little bit of research on that, to find, to trace them back to, to their origins. And, and for those of you joining in from the British Isles, it turns out I'm not from the Highlands. I know it's sad, but I'm, my people come from, um, Ireland and and England and um, my dad's family actually comes from Sherwood and so immediately he he believes that he is related somehow to Robin Hood because that's how he is and no Anne Marie no no whales ah but anyway um, Ireland and, and and England and um, Denmark. I, I have I have history in Denmark as well. So um yeah, you know, when you're American, you're just kind of a mixed breed. It's fine, it's just what we are. Um anyway, so you by your hand have dispossessed nations, but you have planted our fathers. You afflicted peoples, but you spread our fathers forth. For they did not possess the land by their sword nor did their arm save them. Rather, it was your right hand and your arm and the light of your countenance, for you delighted in them. I love that. This, this, this right here, there, there's no credit given to man, right? It's the only credit given is that they tell the story, right? That they, they remember and remind the next generation of who God is. And, 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 and we have to ask ourselves this, like, do we have ears to hear? Do we have ears to hear the truth of what has happened in our, our, our family lines? And, um, I had sent my, my dad writes music and um, he's just very lyrical and um, all my life. I, this is what I have known him to be. And, um, and, and on Tuesday, I think it was, um, he had shared two new, two new songs with us that, that he had written and just recently. And, and in one of them, I was like, Oh my gosh, like the the course had something to do with counting the cost. And I was like, how is it that that he can even speak of such things, you know? <laughs> and um, and I had shared, I had shared it with Pepper 
And Pepper's response was, um, she goes, man, Angie, I can hear your voice in in, in the, the words that she was reading. She's like, I, I read it in your voice. And, and she said, you know, we, we talk so much about um, the, the strongholds that are passed down in our family lines and, you know, all the negative stuff and the, the curses and the bondage and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And she's like, we need to pay more attention to the things that are actually gifts that have been handed down. So maybe in your family line, there's not so many like God stories that can um, be passed down, but what are the gifts that have been passed down? We've got to remember that the gifts have been given without repentance, like they're ours without repentance. They are never taken away. They are ours to function and operate in. And, um, and so what are the gifts that um that are surrounding you and handed down from those who've gone before generational anointing gifts yeah i i think that that's that is so fun and it's like a treasure hunt and um and i've known that that my dad has a a prophetic bent and um and uh it's just always shocking to me the things that, that he writes because i'm like what is this? How is it that that you uh, know Jesus in this way? He, 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 I think that he has a relationship with God, but he's not churched, and um, which is fine. I just, it, it's just still mind blowing to me that that he he un- uncovers revelation <laughs> that's just like, how do you know that kind of thing? And um, so, so there's the gifts, there's the stories, and then there's the gifts that, that we need to be paying attention to. And, and I think that, that it will surprise us the things that, that God will share with us when we start to become hungry to know what, what, what has happened, what, what has gone in, what deposits have already been made into me because of what was done before I was ever even alive. Right. Um, okay. I want to jump over to Exodus nine. We're going old school today. Um, Exodus nine, and we're going to start in um, verse 34. And this is just really, we're just, we're just remembering, you know, um, this is Moses and Aaron have been going before Pharaoh and asking that he let their people go. Good morning, Virginia. It's good to see your name again. I long to see your face. Um, and so they, there has already been plagues that have, that have happened. And, and once again, you know, um, Moses is coming before, but in verse 34 of chapter nine says, but when, when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned again and hardened his heart, he and his servants. So Pharaoh's heart hardened and he did not let the children of Israel go just as Jehovah had spoken through Moses. Chapter 10, verse 1. Then Jehovah said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine in the midst of them, and that you may recount in the hearing of your son and your grandson how I made a mockery of Egypt, and recount my signs which I have done among them, that you may know that I am Jehovah. Tell me he won't use anything. <laughs> he, he, he longs to be remembered, right? Like that's just, it's, it's the heart of God is to be remembered in all things and at all times. Remember me, remember me, do this in remembrance of me. And I'm just going to read it again. I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants that I may show these signs of mine. He is offering them something to hold on to, to remember when they get into a heated moment, when they get into doubt, when they get into to despair, remember what it is that I gave you, what it is that I displayed before you. And these were great exploits of God. Like, let's pause. 
Have you ever had just one of those times where it just feels like you're surrounded by a no good, very bad day? And it just doesn't feel like anything is really going well and and you don't want to give into it and you're doing your best to just I'm just going to sit before the king and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to you know you know how we do and and it just doesn't feel like things are shifting and the only thing we have left is to remember remember what it is that he has done I had one of those days and on the back side of it, I am so blown away by God's willingness. Listen, this is God enthroned. This is the King of all Kings. The only one found worthy, the only one worthy of all power, all glory, all honor, all praise. This is who we're talking about. And he's the same God who will get up off his throne to come and stoop down next to you and I just to lift our heads. I'm so moved by this, just so absolutely moved by this God who's so willing to leave his loftiness, to leave his space of honor, to come stoop low next to me and offer me his worth. Isn't this amazing? This is the God that we're talking about. All powerful. He's capable of anything. He, he's the God who turned a, a nation in a day, right? Like, let's not forget who it is we're talking about. These are the kinds of stories that need to be handed down. To remember that even in his state of grandeur in, in his majestic worth. He steps down to stoop low. Just to lift our heads. What a God. What a God. He, he's mindful of us. Don't you love it when, when, when you read the Psalms and, 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 and David's just pouring out as who, who is man that God is mindful of us. Like this is David understanding the majesty of the King, that the majestic ways of God. And he's like, you're so big. Who is man that you are mindful of us. We have to keep in mind that he's a father, that he fathered us through his word. He fathered us. He gave us life through his word, breathed us. We are the very breath of the father. So when he gets down off of his throne to concern himself with the matters of man, He's dealing with his very breath. We are, we are his very breath. And he does, he stoops low just to lift our heads up. Just to impart a story for us to tell. What just happened? I brought you in to an encounter that I had with the Father. I made much of who he is. And I know that something in you shifted. I know that, that something in you lifted in that moment.
these stories, stories like this, need to be handed to the next generation. We need to make much of God. We need to make Jesus famous. We need to lift him high, and this is how we do it. We know that that the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. It's the stories we tell. It's the stories we tell. We can continue to go on and on and on about the woes of our life, but that doesn't make us much different than those wandering in the wilderness. When we make much of the woes, we become a stiff-necked people that God can't move. The testimonies, the stories of God, of our encounters with him, soften the flesh of man and allows the spirit to come forth. We, We have to be those who can recount what the Lord has done at any moment, at any moment that we would be those that are so consumed with the Lamb of God that we know how to make much of him in the midst of disaster. I'm kind of blown away by our ability to be um, in in corporate prayer and, and fixating on everything that is wrong. Instead of leaning into the mind of Christ and uttering the intercession of the, the, the intercessor, right? Like there is already a stream of intercession that is being released at all times. And that is the son's intercession before the father. And we can enter into that. And, and I guarantee you, he's not grumbling about the things of the earth. He's confidently sending out decree to transform the earth. Ours is to enter into that stream and just allow his intercession to become ours so that we testify rightly of who God is, even through our prayer. Prayer is not an excuse to grumble and complain. Nor is it an excuse to gossip, but you know that. We've got to make much of Jesus. I think we forget all too often that he is the desire of the nations. I want you to say that. We need to proclaim this. Like We need to say this way more than than we do. We forget Jesus is the desire of the nation. The nations, sorry. Jesus is the desire of the nations. We forget. We forget because we get caught up in, eek, I'm going to say it. Are you ready? In the intercession of the enemy. To be gods requires that the flow from us be testimony of his goodness, of his ways. Okay, I want to jump over to Deuteronomy. I know you guys were like deep in the the Old Testament here. It's good though. It's good. We're going to um, Deuteronomy seven, and I just I I, I just wanted to find a, a few locations for us to be able to point to, to um, to recognize the impact of story, the impact of testimony, um, handed off to the next generation. Um, we're in Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse nine. Know therefore that it is Jehovah your God who is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and loving kindness to the thousandth generation with those who love him and keep his commandments. I'm going to read it again. Know therefore that it is Jehovah your God who is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and loving kindness to the thousandth 
generation with those who love him and keep his commandments, but repays directly those who hate him by destroying them. He will not be slow toward him who hates him. He will repay him directly. Do you love these parts of scripture that are like, ah! you know, in one moment you're like wide open and then he stabs you. <laughs> I love these parts of scripture <laughs> because it, it creates a fuller picture of the power of God, of who he is, so that we can rightly worship him. You know? Therefore, you shall keep the commandment and the statues and the ordinances, which I am commanding you today to do. And it will be that because you listen to these ordinances and keep them and do them. Jehovah, your God, will keep with you the covenant and the loving kindness, which he swore to your fathers. And he will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, your grain and your new wine and your fresh oil, the offspring of your cattle and the young of your flock on the land which he swore to your fathers to give you. You will be more blessed than all other peoples. There will not be any barren male or female among you or among your animals. And Jehovah will remove every sickness from you and none of the evil illnesses of Egypt, which you know about, will he put upon you, but he will give them to all who hate you. What a set of a set of scriptures. My goodness. There is so much promise in this. And it's and it is, it's all about remembering who he is. And and all of this, this was this was all true. It all came about. This is this is Israel in Egypt in what we know as Goshen, and nothing came upon them, and they were fruitful. Their land was fruitful. And this is the promise over us today. When we read the stories in the book of Acts, and we know that there were no needs among them, that is Goshen under the new covenant. How much more are we to lay hold of that here at the, the cusp of the latter reign? It is ours to lay hold of this level of oneness where there are no needs among us, where the sick are healed. But we must remember who he is. We have to remember who he is. We cannot rightly know ourselves if we do not rightly know God. How can I know myself if I don't know God? If I'm living off of yesterday's manna concerning who God is, I don't know him today. If we are not moving from glory to glory, we cannot rightly know him for today. We cannot live off of revelation from 10 years ago and think that it will sustain us. It will not. I, listen, I, I have been around people who are still living off of their childhood upbringing they're feasting off of their memorized scripture and have no clue what God is doing today. Not a clue. The scripture is so familiar to those that have been raised up in Christian homes that they settled. They settled. And let me just tell you, that manna is stale, it's maggoty, it's nasty. Yeah, gag. That's what we're feasting on. We're feasting on a meal that was served up a hundred years ago. We go back to remember, 
to pull that testimony forward to open ourselves up to greater possibilities, not to duplicate what has already been done. We go back to remember to pull those testimonies forward to open ourselves up to the possibilities of what can take place, what can transpire for us today. We've got to want more. But we've got to become dissatisfied with where we have been. We have to move on. Vince and I were talking before I hopped on here and, um, and and we're starting a new series this week. I'm just going to tell you about it because I just feel compelled to. Um, when Rebecca was here in July, she had prophesied over us that God was bringing expansion to us, but it would not be horizontal growth, that it would be deep. Do tell. Um, I will. Um, and that, that we would be a deep, deep well. And And since July, God has been like really bringing about better understanding of, of what that is. And, um, and, and it has everything to do with this portion of Deuteronomy where, you know, God is looking for a people who will prepare a place, a shelter for people to come and be cared for because of what is coming. You guys, we are living in the best and worst of days. And it's only just begun, you know, like our eyes are barely open to what's coming. And, and then she said that God is, she saw God, I think he woke her up in the middle of the night and she saw God um, bringing in sheets of iron to reinforce the walls of this well that, that he had called us to build so that we could house the greater glory. And so we came to understand that the, the, the iron sheets to reinforce the walls um, really were about foundations that we needed to, um, to be able to move people out of old wine skins into the new to be able to hold that greater glory, right? That new wine. And, um, and, and we're having a hard time moving. You know, like people just aren't moving on command alone. And so really felt like God was saying, you need to come out of the ruins, lay a new foundation. And what that looks like for us is to go back and remember the basics of the kingdom of God and why we do what we do. We have all fallen into the trapping of worshiping worship. And we're being pulled from that. I mean, God has been fierce with us and like worship has been taken from us. <laughs> worship as we knew it. Okay, let me say it like that. The, the worship of worship has been taken from us. And thank you, Jesus, that he cares that much. But you guys, it is not comfortable. It's not comfortable. Until it's gone, you don't realize the 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 to the degree of idolatry that has been in your midst, right? Because we love worship. And I'm not saying we shouldn't love worship, but we have not, it has not been worship, right? Like we have not been uh, pointing our, our worship in the right direction. It becomes about our preference and what feels comfortable to us, our favorite song, whether or not they're singing it right, if they're playing it right, you know the thing, you know the drill. Um, and, and so it has been a really uncomfortable season for us. And, and at the same time, I am profoundly thankful that God loves us that much, that he would begin to remove the things from us that are those old wine skins. And, and so we are, we are sincerely starting with the very beginning, the cornerstone, right? And then, and then we'll talk about the living stones. We'll talk about, we'll talk about the altar, worship, priesthood, all of those things. So for the rest of the year, that is what we are entering into because we know we've got to go back to pull things forward, to cut ties with the things that have held us at a standstill. So that's what we're doing. And that's what the, the next um, few months for us look like. I think it's like 16 weeks and, and, and we're going to cap it off with um, seven weeks on the, the, the seven spirits of God, which is going to be 
phenomenal. That'll be so fun. And I feel like that's that's the direction that that God is wanting us to look in right now is um, when, when I'm talking about beholding the lamb, we need to understand that in the lamb alone, the lamb alone, there are seven horns and seven eyes. And for the most part, we've locked eyes with one, you know. Like there is, there is a whole treasure trove of revelation to be gained by sitting with the lamb and being able to just lock eyes with him and begin to understand all that he is. We've settled for a single facet. We've settled for the shoreline and allowing just the waves to just come up and touch us. And, and really, we're a people that are called out into the deep. We're a people that are called to be in over our heads. We aren't called to, to um, faith requires that we go before we know. It does. Faith requires that we be in over our head and not have a clue how to swim. That, that It's the whole of the unseen is that we just, we just go headlong. We, we've got to be those people who are, are willing to, to risk it all. I, I'm reminded, I'm reading a book right now on um, the life of um, John Wimber. And it is a fantastic book. Don't know the author right off, but it's a simple search on Amazon, John Wimber. It'll come up. It is really, really good. And I've, I've always, I've loved John Wimber. I, I love reading things about him. And I'm so thankful that somebody put all of his story together like that. Um, <clears throat> and go again and again and again and again. Yes, Tabitha. Um, but in the, in the book, he talks about, um, about the, um, the, the Toronto outpouring and, and, and that was a whole, a whole big mess between um, him and the leadership of Toronto. And, um, and that's not what I want to get at. What I want to get at is that at the end of his days, he admitted that, um, that he was sick and he was dying because he refused to shift when God asked him to. God asked him to change his mind about what was taking place in Toronto and John wouldn't do it. He asked him three times and John wouldn't do it. And, and I I'm terrible at quoting things, but I'm just going to like, you know, summarize the quote Um, that, that he, he sat on his deathbed thinking, I am, I am the one who said that faith is spelled R I S K. And he would not risk his reputation with what was taking place in Toronto because he could not wrap himself around it. He couldn't quite comprehend what was going on. How often do we stop short because we do not understand what God is doing? How often do we turn our back on what God is doing because we don't understand it? What God does should be blowing our minds. It should require faith for us to keep up with him. It should be causing us to have moments of of, um, wrestling because we don't quite understand what he's doing. Yeah, we have. We've made an idol out of understanding and, um, and, and it, we were never called to understand before we go. We, we were called to go. And, um, and so I, I just, I think that like, there's so much that, that God is wanting to pour out right now. And, and we won't be able to contain it. We won't be able to steward it well. And, and quite frankly, I'm afraid it's going to kill us because we're not ready because we're a stiff neck people that will not leave what's comfortable. We won't. Uh, we see this played out 
in um, in the wilderness. Israel is asking, just send us back. Like, why did you bring us out here? We pine for the things of old and 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 won't move with God. There's a there's a song that Rita Springer wrote. I don't even know what it was, probably maybe the 90s. I don't really know. Um, but it's it's called Moving with the Lamb. And um and it is just such a a beautiful illustration of what our life should look like, where we are moving with the lamb, where he goes, I go, right? Like without question, where he goes, I go. Who who of us are willing to say that? Like where he goes, I go. Not after pondering it for a year. There, like, there are big asks on the table right now. And we need to dive into the stories and remind ourselves of the things that God asked the people that these stories are written about and they risked it all. I think our favorite to point to is Gideon because he, you know, we can, we can kind of relate because he, he used the fleeces, but listen, he only used two, not 200. And, and Gideon, he was a nobody. He was a farmer. God asked him to give up everything that he knows to become something that he knew nothing about. Are you willing to give up everything you know to become something that you know nothing about? We've got to drop the act of professional Christianity. It's not real. It's a facade. It's fake and it's errant. Ours is to remember and to dive into this faith life so that God can create encounters with us that can become stories that are handed down to the next generation. Okay, I want to go to one more spot. Let's go back to Psalm. We're going to Psalms. Um, 45. So we were in 44 and now we're just going to 45. Psalm 45, you guys, it is, it is something. It is so good. Okay. Psalm 45, my heart overflows with a good matter. I speak what I have composed concerning the king. Is that true of you? My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. What's he talking about? Stories. Stories. My heart overflows with a good matter. Is your heart overflowing with a good matter? I speak what I have composed concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword upon your thigh, almighty one, in your majesty and your splendor, and in your splendor ride on victoriously because of truth and meekness and righteousness, and let your right hand teach you awesome deeds. Your arrows are sharp. The people fall under you, The arrows are the heart of the king's enemies. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. All your garments smell of myrrh and aloes of acacia from palaces of ivory. Oh, what's he talking about? From palaces of ivory. We can very easily 
insert the church here. Hang with me. From palaces of ivory, harp strings have made you glad. From the church, worship has made you glad. The daughters of kings are among your most prized. It's talking about the bride. The queen stands at your right hand in the gold of Ophir. Hear, O daughter, and see, and incline your ear, and forget your people and your father's house. Thus the king will desire your beauty, because he is your Lord. Worship him. Who is willing to leave everything? to become the bride of Christ. Who is worthy? Who is willing to leave everything to ascribe worth to the king? Listen to the way the daughters of kings are among your most prized. The queen stands at your right hand in the gold of Ophir. Hear, O daughter, and see. Incline your ear. Listen to the stories. And forget your people in your father's house. Thus the king will desire your beauty. Because he is your Lord. Worship him. And the daughter of Tyre will come with a gift. The rich among the people will entreat your favor. The king's daughter is all glorious within the royal abode. The king's daughter is all glorious within the royal abode. Listen to how he's talking about the bride. This is this is us, those who leave everything behind, counted the cost, leave it all behind just to follow him. The king's daughter, she's all glorious within her royal abode. Her garment is a woven work of a ro- woven work inwrought with gold. You guys, I don't even know if we can count it as loss. We talk a lot about counting the cost and, and giving up our lives to become uh, that we would lay down our lives to be living sacrifices, but. I'm not sure we can really count it as loss. Look at what we gain. We become the affection of the king. And look how he clothes you. Look at yourself. I mean, just twirl around for a minute in these garments. These garments, they have gold. He's dressed us in gold. She will be led to the king in embroidered clothing. The virgins behind her, her companions will be brought to you. They will be led with rejoicing and exultation. They will enter the king's palace. In the place of your fathers will be your sons. You will make them princes in all the earth. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, the peoples will praise you forever and ever. When we go all in, when we give it all up for him, when we give it all, strip me of everything. We're invited in to the deepest spaces of his affections. And look what happens. In the place of your fathers will be your sons. You will make them princes in all the earth. And I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, the peoples will praise you forever and ever. When we become a living sacrifice, we become a voice lifting the name of Jesus high. 
a space for all to run into. We run into the shelter, into the tower of the Most High. We release the praises of his name. And the people throughout the generations will remember. They will fall in line and they will do the same. But we have to tell the story. We have to tell the story. Who is Jesus? What has he done? This up and coming generation, they are infatuated with the supernatural. Let me say it a different way. They're infatuated with the unseen realm. If we do not do our job and tell the right story, the intercession of the enemy's camp will woo them in. They'll be lured in by entertainment. They'll be sucked in by lesser things. And the enemy can put on quite a show. And before you know it, they'll be prisoners of war. It's our job to tell the story of the king. Our job to lay off all worldly things to allow him to break us. So the potency of the testimony of Jesus Christ can come forth. Yes, if we don't fill the space with the right stories, the right sound, a generation will be lost. Not on my watch. Right? It's going to take, it's going to take us, um, say this a different way. We have glamorized what a move of God has to look like. And in our glamorization of it, it's so big that we don't know where to start. I'm going to tell you where we're going to start. It takes two or three the Bible tells us it takes two or three to draw in the presence of God. If you will gather together in groups of two or three and lift Jesus's name high and, and not care one bit about a platform or being seen, you will begin to see the transformation. You will. We've got to start with, with what, what is listening right now and the land is listening. You might not have people listening, but the land is listening. So if you can gather with two or three other people who have given it all up, who've said, I've counted the cost. I'm all in. I'm yours, Jesus. Have your way in me. Two or three people like that. And you lift high the name of Jesus. I'm saying you move with the lamb, right? I'm not going to give you a formula of what to do. Move with the lamb. Every land is going to require something different. So you have to move with the land wherever it is that you're at. We live in the heartland. And so there is a specific work that we are called to because of our location. I don't know where you're at, but you need to seek the Lord to find out what it is that the land is after what is what what will console the land we know that all of creation is standing on tiptoe waiting for the sons and daughters of glory to take their rightful place 
The land's waiting for you. Two or three, to lift high the name of Jesus. If it grows beyond that, fantastic. But here's the deal. When we think in grandiose, glamorized manners, we really don't get much done. But when, when you become a, an unseen army, how much more can we accomplish? We can accomplish so much more when we're meeting in, in these small groups at various times of the day and throughout the week. We'll see the transformation. Because don't forget, Jesus is the desire of the nation. It may seem as if the nations are rejecting Jesus, but that's not actually what's happening. The church has not put Christ on display. The church has put self on display. We've made much of self and we must make much of Jesus. When we lift Jesus high, forsaking self, he'll draw all men. Who's in? Listen, this is actually a movement that God has assigned us. God has called us to govern the fire. We did not know what that meant at first, but we now have better understanding of what that means, that we need to be those who will govern the fire. The altar, we have created an altar in our location. It, 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 is, it is symbolism, right? Like we needed to create a space so we could remember. And But the fire on the altar, in order to govern, that means that we spread it. It means that we meet. We're willing to meet together in groups of two to three to spread this fire, to create wildfires wherever we are, wherever we are. So if you're somebody who wants to be all in on this and, and listen, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to tell, I'm going to be very, very vulnerable with you. And I'm going to be very authentic and transparent with you. I don't know what this all looks like, but I do know that it is this concept and we've called it this kingdom indivisible. Like it is something, it, it it's actually part of, um, I'm not going to go there. Kingdom indivisible, um, is, is what we've called it. And it really, the vision that we have for it is simply what I just said is to govern the fire for people to meet in various locations all over the world to lift high the name of Jesus and watch the fire spread. I just, I'm just crazy enough to believe that it'll happen. And so if you want to be part of this, I'm not asking you to come under unedited life and be a part of our ministry. What I'm asking you is to be a part of the body of Christ in this underground movement of, I don't need to be seen because I know I'm known. And because I'm known, when I gather together with two or three, there he is in our midst. And we can lift him high. His throne is established. The foundation of his throne is righteousness and justice. And we have a movement. Our job is to spread wide his government. And we do that by meeting together in groups of two and three and lift high his name. So this is what I'm asking you to do. Send us an email at info at uneditedlife.org or you can go to the link that Vince just threw up and um, it'll send you to a sign up page. We, we just want to partner. We want to partner together. We want to hear the stories. We want to spread the stories. And it's just, it's just going to be phenomenal. And, um, and we'll have um, monthly meetings where we can all hop on Zoom meetings together and encourage each other. And, and here's the deal. Like before you actually go out and sign up, I want you to know that you're signing up to govern the fire. Not have your fire governed, but you're signing up to govern the fire where you're at. The, the, the days of individuals leading mass congregations is over. We are all capable 
of leading. We are all capable of governing the fire of God where we are at. We need to change our mind about this. The church dynamic, the old paradigm, the old wineskins, they've got to go. We are in a new movement where even the littlest can govern a fire. So hop on over to the website. Let us know if you're all in and we're, we're getting an email worked up today to be able to um, send out and, and share a little bit more. And um, I'm excited. I'm excited about what it is that God is doing. And I can't wait to hear how you feel God is leading you in your neck of the woods. Come on, let's rise up and be those who tell the God stories. Let's be those who are audacious enough to believe that little old me can spread a wild. It's going to take all of us. It's not about a singular it person. It's about the body of Christ knowing what her garments look like and knowing where she belongs. All right. Love you all. We'll talk soon.